0: Are you planning on creating a podcast? Is your biggest hesitation costs or access to podcast producers? Is the only thing preventing you from starting your podcast is knowing exactly how to construct it? Learn what you need to do to create your very own professionally produced podcast without all the expenses. Learn how one program can help you create this podcast that you have been putting off. Tune into this week's episode of Stand Out and Grow to learn more. Kat ramirez your host of stand out and grow i want to help your business stand out survive succeed and grow building your business is really really hard and knowing what marketing and advertising tools you need to help you become successful is extremely confusing After 30 years of working with thousands of businesses, I am here to help you make good business decisions. I want to help you understand the programs that are available to you so that you can stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. So let's get started. This is episode 11 of Stand Out and Grow. Bang! If you are looking into doing your own podcast and you don't have the funds to hire an editor or know of anyone who can mix your content, then you'll want to tune into this podcast. My guest is a 15-year veteran with more than 75 professional and consumer audio technology products under his belt, and he discovered lots of pain in creating a professional podcast despite being a giant audio nerd. Please join me in welcoming Dan Raiden, CEO of Oxbus. Dan, what a great background. I am so impressed. Uh, thank you for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. And I know that the people listening to our program are, is, are really going to learn a lot from you today. Uh, Thanks my- so much for having Oh, sorry Sorry to
1: step on you. Thanks no. so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, okay. So my first question to you is, uh, because I talk to a lot of startups and young entrepreneurs and small businesses is, did you ever see yourself becoming an entrepreneur?
1: I did. You know, I, So my background is that I have a music business degree, which is basically a music degree that has some business courses in it. And once I had finished that, and I was working in the music industry developing things like musical instruments and equipment for professional engineers, I knew that I wanted to start a business of my own the whole time. And I was always working on side projects, prototyping things at night and on the weekends. And the more I did that, the more I realized that I was really good at marketing and product, but I really wasn't good at a lot of the other things that you need to be good at business. The things like accounting and finance and legal services. So I went back and got an MBA because I didn't really feel like I had a legitimate business degree. I didn't know where my knowledge ended in those kinds of places. Like, where do I get myself in trouble writing my own contract or doing my own taxes? So I think I always knew I wanted to have a venture of my own and got the education so that I would feel comfortable having a good understanding where is the right place to bring in other professionals to help me and know my own limits.
0: So because in looking back in your career, because I noticed that you have a lot of corporate life in your history, at mm-hmm. what point did you and what and was there like red flags or, or whatever, like what set you off to go to the entrepreneur mm-hmm. route?
1: Well, my first job out of college, I worked for an audio company called Sennheiser. It's a German company that is a very traditional and conservative company. Sennheiser is known for really amazing microphones, headphones, and wireless systems. And typically, Sennheiser is last to market with a new product. A lot of other companies like to work on being first to market, being the fastest, the most innovative. But Sennheiser, when they introduce a new product, They are the last in, but they make the best one. And you know that when Sennheiser introduces a new product, it's going to last a really long time, whereas a lot of other companies will introduce something and they'll have to replace it a year later because there were problems with it. So I saw that that was a really great way to do business, but not one that I was built for. It was too slow and it was too safe for me. After that, I worked for a company called In Music Brands, which is the parent company of a whole bunch of different music equipment companies from Newmark DJ equipment to Akai Professional Production Gear to Alesis, which was the brand that I worked on in mobile recording and electronic drums. and. That was the first time working directly for an entrepreneur who owned the company, a guy named Jack O'Donnell, who had taken each of these brands, in most cases, from bankruptcy and returned them to success. That was the first time I really saw what it was like to work for an entrepreneur and what that life was like. And I saw how hard he worked, and I saw how personally he took everything. And I think that was what really lit the fire under me, that this was something I wanted to do for myself eventually when I found the right thing to do. So I think Jack O'Donnell of InMusic Brands was the one who set me on this course.
0: Okay, okay. And then, of course, you worked for two, I think two other big corporations, right? I mean, Ste- uh, Steel Series, which is are known for headphones, mm-hmm. right?
1: Yeah, well, it's actually gaming peripheral. So when I finished grad school, I was recruited by this company, Steel Series, and I didn't know anything about gaming. I wasn't a gamer myself. I was a musician. That was how I spent all my free time. But I realized that, If you look back 15 or 20 years, probably a lot of the kids who would have become musicians were now becoming gamers. And I thought, well, with gaming headsets, here's a place where I can still do audio, which I love, but for a different kind of fast growing industry. And I tried it out and I didn't really love it, but it was fun. I learned a lot and I worked in much huger volumes where you know, with musical instruments, if you sell a 1000 or 5000 of something that's considered a successful new product, where in this world, if you sold half a million of a headset that was considered barely successful, or even a failure at those kinds of volumes. So it was a very different world. So I learned a lot working in that industry. But ultimately, I really love helping people create with audio. And that was what led me back to Harmon, the, um, company that's known for brands like JBL, Harman Kardon, AKG, Mark Levinson, and a whole bunch of other brands. They own about 35 brands. Harman is now part of Samsung, uh, a tiny little Korean company that you may have heard of. Um, With Harman, that was the first time I worked for a really huge company. And at the time, a publicly traded company now as part of Samsung, uh, differently publicly traded. But it was a really interesting experience. And I learned a lot. But ultimately, the bigger company i worked for starting with harmon being i don't remember 40 or 50,000 people and then as part of samsung being part of a couple hundred thousand people worldwide the less happy i was and the more i realized i was much happier in smaller less stable less mature organizations
0: right and i can relate to that so i can totally understand so tell me and describe to me what was your aha moment hmm. of your this baby you know And and forgive me if I say the name wrong because it's Oxbus. Is that correct? You got it. Okay, that's right. Okay, so tell me, tell me how this led up. I mean, did you like just have an epiphany? Did it just you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like (laughs) lead me into it.
1: Okay, so I'm gonna. This is a little bit of a convoluted story, so I'll try to shorten it as much as I can for the listeners. I so after Harmon was acquired by Samsung, I had a new boss installed, and he and I did not have a good values match, and he did not really in my opinion, value individuals and people, individual people. And, uh, there were a couple of red flags and the last red flag I was willing to bear was my wife and I left on our honeymoon. I sent out a note to him and the rest of my team saying, I'm shutting it down for two weeks while we're away. I'm not going to be checking email. Here's who to contact if you need help while I'm away, but I'm off and you should be aware. And we talked about this and phone calls and things like that. So about a halfway into our honeymoon, I decide I'm just going to check in and see what's going on with my project while I'm away. And sure enough, one of the first emails that had come in about a day after I left on my honeymoon, after I'd made this proclamation that I'm on vacation and not checking email was from this new boss saying, Dan, when you get back from your honeymoon, you need to be in China for three weeks immediately. Wow. And it wasn't, here's why, it wasn't, here's what's going on, and I think it would be best, it was just a directive to be in China for three weeks when I got back. And that was really the last straw, because we had been fighting, he was a business development guy and used to spending three out of every four weeks on the road and not really seeing his family, and that was good for him. But we had been we had had a lot of conversations about the work life balance that was okay for me, and I say that looking back, and it's uh, it's kind of funny to talk about work life balance as an entrepreneur, but (laughs) (laughs) that's a little bit of a side tangent. But you know the uh, the concept of he expected me to be in China one or two weeks a month, and in either Austin or Baltimore the other week, and maybe home one week a month. We were working on a project with Under Armour, the sport brand, and developing sport headphones for athletes. And he expected me to either be at Under Armour or at our factories and development centers in China most of the time. And that was not the job that I had signed up for. And I made that very clear. So anyway, I get back from the honeymoon, I had seen this directive missive to me and I came back and very calmly updated him on all my project statuses and then resigned. And I didn't have anything planned. I didn't have anything lined up, but I knew that This was not the right place for me. This was not a values match for me. This was not how I wanted to spend a lot of my waking hours thinking about, stressing about, worrying about.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I've quit. I have no job. What am I going to do? For many (laughs) years... I'm a drummer. I love drums. It's not the industry that I've worked in for a long time because musical instruments have been contracting for a long time. For about 20 years, 25 years, musical instruments have been contracting by a pretty large percentage. So I thought this is not a great place to have a really successful career. This might be a place I can come back to when I'm retired and make some contributions to. But I thought to myself, maybe now's the time. Maybe this is the universe telling me I should just follow my passion follow my heart and start a drum company of some kind and i started thinking about what could i do and i really didn't know but i knew one thing that i could do was reconnect to people in the industry and try to get my name back out there so i started a podcast about drum equipment drum gear so drum showroom the world's first drum gear podcast debuted just after i quit i was terrible at it i got better but the important thing that happened was i found myself trying to make a professional sounding podcast. And I saw all of the different tools, all of the time it took, all of the knowledge you had to amass. And I realized that it wasn't all in one place. There was no single piece of software and no single compendium of all of the knowledge that you need to go from, I think I want to start a podcast to I have a successful podcast. And that was the light bulb moment, the aha moment you referred to Kat, that Led me to say, well, I have product management experience for 15 years. I understand systems. This is really kind of what I've done my whole career. And I kind of have the network to connect, if I need to, to people in audio, people in media. And by the way, before I went into this business, I was a music education major and I like teaching people. So ultimately, what Oxbus is is an end-to-end software company that teaches people and guides people all the way through that journey of, I want to have a podcast, to I have a successful podcast, and we try to make it really fast and easy for people, as you've experienced.
0: Right, right. And, and just for the record, so for anyone who is listening, um, I... Use the OxBus program, so I love it. I am a huge fan. I can't say enough about it, and um, it is incredible. I mean, for I think I I just can't believe nobody else has thought about like putting a program like this together. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it is incredible.
1: Well, thank you. What were you using before OxBus? What was your Stack of different tools.
0: And, and it was probably similar to you. We were piecemealing things together because I was using GarageBand. My producer was using, uh, is it Odyssey? Uh, uh, whatever Audacity. it's called? Thank you, Audacity. And mm-hmm. then uh, I had, uh, so of course I had other people that were using Zoom, and there's just a bunch of a collection of collage of stuff. And mm-hmm. we were bringing all these files together. So it just made it a little confusing and hard to bear of trying to collect all these files and then put it in bits and pieces. Whereas your program really defines and lines up exactly what you need to do and really helps you put your train of thought together. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it really outlines your program and what you should be saying and doing.
1: Right. Well, thank you. One of the things that we saw that was missing was there were good amateur apps that were out there that helped people get started without any regard or thought for what are you going to say or how do you make it professional and we saw that unless you want to spend a huge amount of money on a professional marketing agency production team that will help you script and develop your content none of these tools helped you with that so we thought for all of the small businesses out there and i know this is your audience is small businesses that's really who we're focused on solving for there's 60 million small businesses in the us as of the last sba numbers and none of them can use audio in their content marketing and that's really what we're focused on is helping all of those small businesses have voice and it's i talked i talk about this this uh, triangulation of content marketing where you have social media which is really good because it's fast and quick but it can be shallow and almost like fast food marketing and then you have blogs which can be deeper and more substantial but you can't take them with you in the car or on the treadmill they're not portable and then you have video which can be really expressive and visually um descriptive but it also can feel very slick and overproduced and audio has this special relationship with each one of those where it's more substantial than social media it's more portable than a blog and it's more authentic than video so i think the future of content marketing for small business is in audio obviously i'm biased because this is the business that i'm in but that's really what we're trying to make uh happen for all of the 60 million small businesses in the U.S. and then worldwide,
0: right? And then, and so, which aligns with my um, my whole podcast, the theme, and then our business because you know our whole focus is to help small businesses to get their name out and stand out, and some of the things that they mm-hmm. can control and do and really create some really good original content is, of course, podcasting. Um, and, you know, if you listen to any of the trades or, or hear any of the leaders out there, you know, they're predicting that in, you know, two to five years, it's going to be audio video that you see. That's it, you know? And mm-hmm. so, you know, we become Absolutely. lazy and lazier and lazier, but we want it. It's not even really a lazy thing. It's, I'm so time starved. I got to get it on the go. I got to get it when I can get it.
1: Right. Reading is hard. You can't take it with you on the treadmill or you can't listen to a blog post while you're chasing the kids around and preparing dinner, but you can always do audio. Audio can be a great multitasking medium. So I'm all in on audio. And I also think culturally, socially, we're all kind of tired of staring at screens all day. And audio is this special medium where you can have your eyes up and look at the world while also listening to a podcast. And I love that. It Even though we're not connecting in real life, we can see each other, which we can't do while watching video on on screens all day.
0: Right. I agree. I agree. Okay. So I'm just curious, and I love it when people ask my business name, so I'm going to ask yours. Like, how did you come about the name? Like, what does it mean?
1: So the original name of the company was Podcraft, which is a great name, but As we discovered and started to really develop our suite of technologies that do things like make you sound good and automate the assembly, we discovered that they also map onto other audio media like audiobooks and Alexa skills and meditations. So we wanted a name that wasn't podcast specific. So we played around with a whole bunch of ideas. We went to a local brewery and uh, had a (laughs) couple of drinks and played with a couple of tools like Name Checker, which is one of my favorite. You have to leave off the E, so it's Name Mm -hmm. Checker which will check your domain and all the social media handles. And we had thesaurus.com out and we were playing with a bunch of different things. And I I stumbled on Auxbus because I was looking for something short that was easy to spell. And as an audio person, this is kind of inside knowledge and we don't really talk about this that much, but in audio, the auxiliary bus is where you plug in all of the effects, like your reverb or your EQ. And the Auxbus is the place where the input signal, like what goes into your microphone, gets transformed into what you hear at the speakers or the output or the, the headphones. So we like to think of Oxbus as we make you sound the way that you want it to sound without you having to do all that work in, in the middle.
0: Right, right. No, that's awesome, I love it. So there is a little rhyme to the rhythm for your name.
1: Yeah, that's- and we, we get a lot of people when they hear Oxbus. They think it's ox the animal. Yeah. So like do you have a bunch of oxen on a bus somewhere? So we tried to buy oxbus.com. It's not available. It's owned by some some Chinese company that won't respond to our requests to purchase. <laughs> but so I always try to spell it whenever I say it. AUXBUS.com.
0: Right, right. Now I love <laughs> it. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, okay. So now getting back to I'm just gonna swing back to you being an entrepreneur and then Just looking back, you know, do is was it hard? Is it what you know? What kind of what? Just give me a frame of mind for other people who are thinking of being entrepreneurs. You know, like what if you had to look back? How would you describe it?
1: Wow, that's a big question. I'm going to try to do my best. (laughs) I think that I think that there's a lot in our media landscape that encourages people to be entrepreneurs. And I think that's great because starting new business, new business creation is the way that we build our economy wherever we are. You know, existing incumbent companies are comfortable and slow and they don't really have the need to innovate the way new businesses do. But I think there's a lot of messaging out there that everybody should be an entrepreneur. And I don't agree with that. I think that everyone, if they want to can create a business, but that doesn't make them an entrepreneur. Just because you're starting a small business does not make you an entrepreneur. And that's okay. I think that where people get tripped up is that they have to become the next Mark Zuckerberg, and they have to raise venture capital, and they have to build a software as a service, and they have to scale like a moonshot and make a billion dollar exit in five years. And that just isn't for everybody. But I think that's being sold very broadly that dream of, you're going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg and you're going to build the next Facebook. And I just, I worry that we are telling too many people that that is a reality where lots and lots of people could build really great small businesses and accumulate a lot of wealth over a long period of time, but not take that venture capital moonshot ride that frankly, we are evaluating every day, whether or not that's right for us. So. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that i've I've learned. It's very, very stressful to try to consider doing entrepreneurship, where I, I can imagine building a small business and building it brick by brick day by day might be a better fit for a lot of people and frankly, might lead to a lot better outcomes. I mean, owning one hundred percent of a thirty million dollar company is a whole lot better than owning one percent of a three hundred million dollar company in the end. so it, it's it's one of these things where, you know, you hear things like hustle porn and struggle porn. Uh, <laughs> t- Gary V is big on you. Just have to work harder than the competition. And I don't necessarily. Of course, you need to work hard, and that is sort of inherent and written into the the gig. But I just I I, I worry that we tell too many people that they've got to take that that roller coaster ride, and um, you have to know yourself. I guess self self. Knowing yourself, and I'm trying to struggle for the right word here, knowing yourself is super important. Knowing your limits, uh, knowing how much risk you're willing to take. um, These things are really important because I can tell you doing this kind of business is a whole lot more stressful, I would think, than a small business that's not trying to grow and scale really fast. And I think that I see some of my colleagues around town where I am who have more small business type companies that are not more startup entrepreneurial companies and they seem like they have a really good quality of life. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be inside their head and inside their household. But I have to tell you, this kind of work is incredibly hard. It is never ending. It is very stressful. I've had stomach (laughs) problems. I've had physical injuries. I've had trouble, you know, my background, I was a power lifter competitively for a number of years. And I'm lifting half of what I was lifting five years ago in the gym. And It affects your sleep. It affects your relationships. You hear lots of stories of people's relationships breaking up or um, co-founder relationships breaking up, people getting divorced. Um, So I, I just like to be honest about the level of stress you need to be able to tolerate to do this. This is a hard, hard job. On the other side of it, it's the most rewarding job I've ever done. I am so proud. It is the best work I've ever done. And I hear from multiple members of my team, this is the best work I've ever done. I'm staking my career on the work we're doing right now. And as I'm saying those words, you know, my video is non, but I'm getting goosebumps (laughs) just saying those words because that means so much to me. And this work means so much to me. And I've never felt so emotional and emotionally connected to this work, to this company, to this brand. So it's a big giant roller coaster. It's really scary every single day, every minute of every day. The highs are incredibly high and the lows are crushingly low. I mean, here's a great example. Tuesday, I drove. I live in Asheville, North Carolina, which is Western North Carolina. And I drove three and a half hours to Research Triangle Park, which mm-hmm. is Raleigh Durham area, where a lot of the big companies and the universities are, to go give a pitch to some angel investors. So, three and a half hours each way, give the pitch, uh, drive back with another entrepreneur who was carpooling with me. And we just talked entrepreneurship for 10 hours that day. And It was on one hand very therapeutic to be able to share with somebody who's doing something very similar and have that shared experience, but the next day, I I mean, I couldn't get out of bed till ten thirty because I was so exhausted emotionally from having that experience. So it's it's just you can't imagine what it's like until you're in it. It is incredibly amazing when it's great, and it's incredibly difficult when it's hard. And compared with corporate jobs, I mean, I, I I try not to think about it too much. But going back and taking a corporate job sounds and feels so much easier. But again, you know, you're know, you working for somebody else, you're working for their values, and your upside is very limited. So I know that was a really long and rambling answer. And, but I feel really strongly that I want more people to know that taking venture capital and being an entrepreneur is not the only path to own your own business and own your own destiny. And I, I wish we talked more about that.
0: And I would agree because uh, I am a bootstrap kind of girl and I push that on a lot of people who I talk to. Um, And so I, and I can concur and I appreciate your honesty. It is very much appreciated. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, my next question was going to be what your biggest challenge is. Uh, So I kind of got the gist of it, but do you have a challenge with Oxbus?
1: Uh, keeping enough money in the bank to pay the team. Frankly, we okay. we are 45 days in market. We launched in the middle of August, so we're brand new even though the company's been around for almost 2 years. The biggest challenge particularly with a software company is you have to take a risk and do your re- user research and build this thing before you can actually make money with it. Right. So, we've been losing money for almost almost 2 years because we weren't in market yet. So, it is scary to rely on outside funding. To exist. Like I heard somebody say on uh, Jason Calacanis, who's the famous Angels podcast, we like, we want our default state to be in business. And that's what happens once you're at break even. In terms of your expenses Mm -hmm. and until you make it to that point your default state is not being in business and that's scary and that's where we are so there is no question in my mind that that is the biggest scariest hardest thing about this job is is getting to break even or getting enough funding in the bank that you're not worrying about getting to break even but i think that model of business we've seen over the last few weeks with the we work ipo debacle and uber continuing to lose money we're seeing some of those even those silicon valley unicorns the idea of getting too profitable is uh, becoming much more attractive, even at that level. Right,
0: right. Yeah, I would agree. Which
1: is something that every small business knows and lives, because if you're bootstrapped, you can't rely on outside funding because you're bootstrapped. It's your money. Yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. So uh, I saw a little bit of a teaser on your website and some of your social media. So my question is, mm. what is next for you?
1: So great. Uh, I appreciate you. you. You teed that up really nicely. So, <laughs> 45 days ago, we launched Oxbus at Podcast Movement. It's the easiest, fastest way for everybody to create professional podcasts. You can plan, record, automatically produce, and instantly distribute your podcast. But the next thing that we're about to launch is Oxbus Connect, which is the fastest, easiest way for you to have remote interviews, guests, and co hosts on your show right inside Oxbus. So, as you mentioned, no multiple tools, no downloading and uploading files, and no loss of sound quality. We've all heard phone calls and Skype calls on podcasts, and we all know how bad they sound with the dropped packets and words getting stretched out. So we fixed all of that, and we've also fixed it inside of Oxbus. So instead of having to go outside of Oxbus to bring in a remote interviewer in a different platform, you'll be able to click a button, send a link, either email or text to your guest or guests, They're on your show, you're recording, and that's it. There's no moving files around. There's no loss of sound quality because we record each person locally, meaning we don't get that internet sound. We get the local sound of you in the room. So it sounds like everyone's in the studio together and it just works. So we've built the technology. We are integrating and testing it over the next 45 to 60 days. And we're running a Kickstarter right now. You can go to tinyurl.com com slash aux and we're trying to raise money to get the word out but also to determine how big should we go with this feature because we have a number of other things we want to do with it like being able to leave voicemails for a show that you can use on your episode and being able to reply to things we've got a whole bunch of things that we could build but we want to get a sense for how much interest there is from the podcasting community. So go to tinyurl.com slash Auxbus, that'll take you to our Kickstarter and help us get a feel for how much we should invest in further development of Auxbus Connect. But either way, minimally, we'll be launching the base bones of Auxbus Connect within Q4 2019.
0: Awesome, awesome. Okay, so as we wrap this up, um, so first off, Again, I just want you to reiterate uh, for anyone who is tuning in right now, who is the best person for Oxbus and what are you offering them today so that they can try your product?
1: Great. Oxbus is designed to be the easiest, fastest way for anybody, regardless of audio experience, including novices, to create professional podcasts. And what I mean when I say professional podcasts is something that you're using to promote your business, your brand, or your work. So it could be individual practitioners like coaches, writers, therapists, or filmmakers. It could be small business owners. It even could be mid-sized companies. But the, the key here is we've tried to make it super easy for everybody to be able to enjoy and leverage audio to build their brand. So think of it like TurboTax for audio. You don't need to be a tax specialist or an accountant to do your taxes with TurboTax. And we guide you through all of the steps of the journey to making professional sounding audio with Oxbus. You can go to oxbus.com right now and try it for free. We give you three free episodes. And when you're done with those three episodes, you can upgrade to either 9.99 per episode 34.99 for four episodes a month so weekly episodes or 39.99 for unlimited episodes which is great for people who do more than one episode a week including daily shows we also offer discounts on prepaid annual plans and we even send you a free microphone and again oxbus uh, pardon me tinyurl.com oxbus is the way to get to our kickstarter and help us get OxBus connect over the finish line
0: awesome Thank you so much, Dan. If somebody wants to give you some feedback or anything like that, can they connect with you? Can they get a hold of you?
1: Absolutely. I love talking to customers, users, or even just people who are interested. My personal email is dan at auxbus.com. That's D-A-N at A-U-X-B-U-S I would love to talk to you. I do extensive user interviews and research every single day, every week, every month. Uh, the only way that we can build things that solve problems for people and make this whole medium better is by talking to people. So we don't pretend we have all the answers. We pretend you have all the answers and we want to listen to them.
0: And what is the one thing you want to leave with the listener in regards to you know, content, social media, you know, podcasting? What is the one thing you want to leave with them?
1: My favorite thing to teach people is, The best way to make your podcast sound better is mic technique and there's two pieces that you need to know to make your podcast sound better in terms of mic technique. First piece is get close and stay close. So you want to be between a finger and a fist away from your microphone. So really, really close and stay there and you want your microphone off center of your mouth. You don't want it in the center because every time you make a P or a B or a T or an S, you make little blasts of air and they hit the microphone and you want those blasts of air to miss the microphone. So put the microphone at the corner of your mouth instead of the middle. So keep it close and stay there and off center. That is the easiest, fastest way. You don't need to spend any any money. You don't need to treat your room. Start there and then see if you need any more gear or treatment for your room to make your podcast sound better.
0: Oh, my God. I love it. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for being on our show.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. I really, really appreciate this opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening and tune in next week uh, for another episode of Stand Out and Grow.
1: Ever feel like you're running around in circles as a manager?
0: Inspire a more positive and productive workday by leading your team with free Trello templates. Visit StandOutAndGrow.com offers page to learn more. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stand Out and Grow. Check out all the notes and links at www.standoutengrow.com. I am so thankful to you for helping this show continue to grow. I want to keep producing content that you want to hear. So please leave me some feedback. I look forward to bringing you more resources and information to help your business stand out and grow please follow us on social media and make sure you follow this podcast so you can learn more about helping your business stand out, survive, succeed, and grow. Until next time, you got this.